So how's everybody doing? Merry Christmas? Good? So let me just get something out of the way right now, okay? Because all the visitors, they, they don't know what's going on. But all the regular people, they're going, his shirt's tucked in. What's wrong? So I'd like to say that in honor of baby Jesus, I tucked in my shirt, but that's not it. Um, so uh, my wife and I, we went uh, to a store that sells boots. I don't know. Uh, it's like a barn. Uh, anyway, we went there. And, uh, and so I go, I know my size. And so I bought uh, three of these shirts. And I got them home and I put them on yesterday. And they're huge. And so I tucked it in because it's tucked down to my knees. All right. And so basically, I was like, anyway, so don't get used to this. All right. So my mom will watch it online. She'll be very happy. And then I'm going back to me. Okay. So... So that's it. Hey, welcome, welcome to Flatirons. Um, we are in the, the fourth week of a four-week series, and, and a lot of you are in town because uh, uh, it's Christmas or you're visiting family or something like that, or you got caught in traffic. You're like, I don't know. I thought it was a mall, and that's why you're here today. Welcome. All right? And so, so uh, again, to all of our campus, we want to say we're really glad you're here. I, I want to take just a minute, and I want to catch everybody up. Uh, on, on some like key phrases and some words that I'm going to be using today, because we come from a lot of different backgrounds. We come from like no church background to a lot of church background, from bad church background, whatever that is that, that you come from. I just want to get us all on the same, same page with some phrases we've been using through this whole series. One of them is this, is that God chooses people, all right, that we wouldn't choose. We, we would look at that person and go, God couldn't use them. And usually who we're pointing at is the person in the mirror. We look at ourselves and go, I've made so many mistakes, I screwed up so many times. There's just no way God could use someone like me or her, whatever that is, okay? But, but we wouldn't choose them. But God does. God chooses people that we wouldn't choose, and he chooses us to do things that, that we thought were impossible. Like we look at it and go, never going to happen. And he's going to do it in ways that we had never, had never considered. That, that's what God does. So if you're sitting in here today, one of our campuses again, all right, and you're thinking, this probably applies to most of these people in this room, but I don't think God could ever use me for something, that's above your pay grade. Don't say no for God, all right? Just let him teach you something if he wants to teach you something, all right? And maybe, maybe something will change. The, the other thing is this, is that, you know, I don't know how many times you've been to church. Maybe this is your first time or, or your thousandth time, but the, the story we're looking at this Christmas, you've heard You've heard of it, at least. It's that Christmas story with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus and a donkey and all that. All right, all right. So, so here's the kind of filter I want you to put on as you listen to this really, really, really old story. All right, I want you to, to, to listen to these characters. Just don't let them be Bible people. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, don't let them be like, don't, don't slap a halo on them. Because anytime we say they're Bible people or they have halos or something, we put them in a category called other or they're not like me. So whenever God does something in their life, we sit here and we go, yeah, but that can never happen to me because I don't have a halo. And I'm not like those people. They're Bible people. I'm just like a Colorado person. So, so that we're not the same. Yes, we are. We're just real people. They were real people. They, 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 they got out of bed just like you got out of bed today. They, they went to work. They went to school, whatever that is. They thought today will be just like yesterday and tomorrow will be some version of, of today. And then something happened in their life. Like's happened to all of us in our life. We, we, we made a mistake. We, we, we ran into life or somebody else made a mistake and life ran over us. And we're facing something in our life. And just, we look at it and go, that's just impossible. What's going on right now, I, 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 don't, I don't understand it at all. And that leads to a phrase that everybody in the Bible and everybody sitting here listening to my voice right now, we've all asked this question when life gets hard. It goes like this, how? How can this be? Mary said it, Joseph said it, we've all, we've all said it. And there's different versions of it, like how am I going to get through this? How am I going to survive this? How, how, how am I going to get to the other side of this? And then that leads to a prayer. And again, a lot of us have prayed this prayer. We're sitting in our driveway trying to decide if we're going to go in and blow up our, our life and tell them the truth. Or, or we're driving down the interstate and it's really, really frustrating. We're frustrated with God. And, we, and this is the prayer that a lot of us have uttered. It goes some, something like this. Hey, God, are you there? And do you care? You ever prayed a version of that? Are you paying attention to my life? I heard you're good. This doesn't feel good. 
Are you there, and, and do you care? So, so how, how am I going to get through this? How can this be? And God, do you even care about me? And depending upon how you answer those questions, you either do or do not have this thing called hope. And that's why you came here today. Because this is a free country. You didn't have to come here. You could have told whoever, you know, I don't want to come here. But something inside of you is looking for something. I would say it's hope. Because sometimes you look down the tunnel of life and all you see is more tunnel. It's just, you just quit. But maybe if you get just a little bit of hope. What do you mean hope? Hope that maybe God cares about me. I know it's Christmas, but there's a lot of us who are going, I don't feel like anybody even cares. Or how about this? Hope that God has not forgotten about me. So some of us, we're going to get up out of this room and we're going to go have Christmas Eve lunch or, or whatever that is. You know what some of us are going to do? We're going to go back home to an empty apartment again, right? How about this? Hope that maybe I'm not alone. How about this? Hope that maybe God hasn't given up on me. It feels like everybody else in my life has given up on me. My ex-husband, my ex-wife, my, my parents, my kids, they, they all said, you know, I'm, do, I'm done with you. All right? I hope that God's not done with me and maybe God still has a plan for my life. What if, what if God hasn't put a white flag up on you and went, you're hopeless? What, what, what if it's true that God still wants to use someone like us, right? See, hope, here's what I found about hope. Hope is the one thing that can move a person from fear. And that's what a lot of us feel when we go to that, how can this be? What am I gonna do moment in our life? Hope is the thing that can move us from fear to faith. And faith is just this religious word that we've all grown up with. So let's just all get on the same page. When I say the word faith, here's what I mean. Faith is, there's a lot of different words you could hear. Trust, believe, uh, confidence, uh, some level of, 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 of belief. But faith is a confidence that, that God is who he says he is. God says he's good. I have some level of trust and belief that he's actually good. So much so that I, I have confidence that because God is good, he can and will keep every promise that he's ever made to me. And then here's kind of the caveat on that. Even though you, you think it's impossible and have never considered how he might do it, there's times we look at God and go, I know, God, you're supposed to be good. Hey, God, I, I know that you know, you're supposed to keep your promises, but this is my life. Good luck. Right? Good luck. Because what I have in front of me, my marriage, my finances, my health, my kids, whatever that is, it just feels impossible. So if anybody can fix this, God, it has to be you. You all still think that's water. That's all right. Go believe that. All right. So Merry Christmas. All right. So, so over the last three weeks, sorry, it is mostly water. And so we, um, over the last month here, we watched Mary and Joseph look back at God. God actually, out of nowhere, chose them. We wouldn't have chose them. We would have chose better people. But, but God chose them and go, hey, hey, Mary, hey, Joseph, I, I'm going to do something. And the world is going to go, that's impossible. Can't happen. I choose you to do something impossible in the world. I'm going to do it in a way that no one could imagine. And Mary and Joseph looked back at God and went, you know what? This sounds crazy. Never heard it before. How can this be? But you know what? We, we love you. We trust you. We think you're good. And so we'll follow you. And we believe that you'll go with us and you'll keep your promise to protect us. And they signed on believing God is good and will take care of us. And from the moment they said, we trust you and we follow you, from that moment on, at least for the next nine months to where we pick up the story today, their lives fell apart. God, we trust you and we'll follow you. We, we, we think you're really, really good. And life got harder, not easier. Life got more confusing, more, more overwhelming. Time out. Have you ever been there? Here's what I mean by that. Have you ever, you know, say, I, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm really going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the best thing. I'm going to do the thing that the counselor said. I'm going to do the thing that I promised my wife. God, I'm doing what you told me to do. Have you ever done the right thing and it actually gets worse? I'm working on my marriage and she lost her mind. Whatever that is, you know, I'm, I'm doing, don't point, do not look at each other right now. Like, <laughs> don't blame that on me. Blame that on Jesus or something. All right, right, so, all right, so. 
So you're doing your best. And here, here's the other thing. We can all do that for a little while, but here's, after you've been waiting for something good to happen in your life, right? For, and it doesn't look like after a long time that anything good is moving in your direction. Let's be honest. The temptation is, just like those real people in the Bible had, had to have the same temptation, when you're trying for something good and nothing good is moving in your direction, you just want to quit, you just want to like, you know, this is hard. I, 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 I tap out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in my car and put it in reverse, and I'm going to go do something else. I can't handle this anymore. So that's where we're going to pick up the story. We're going to pick up the story. We have Joseph, who's in his 20s, all right? And, and he's got, in, in, in his culture, he's engaged, but he's actually married to Mary. She's 14 years old. She just gave birth in, to her first baby in a barn because Joseph's parents won't let her in the house. You're not, that girl is not having that baby in our house. Go to the barn. And so they kick him out, all right? So we're going to pick up the story eight days after the whole manger scene. Okay, we're going to skip ahead eight days, all right? And here's why we know it's eight days. Because the Jewish faith, and Mary and Joseph were both raised in the Jewish faith. The Jewish faith says this. After a woman gives birth, all right, eight days later, if it's at all possible, she's to go to Jerusalem, which is about six miles away from, from Bethlehem, and she's to have this purification ceremony, all right? It's like a postpartum purification ceremony. Go there, and you go through this ceremony. And then, and then while you're there, you'll also have, have a baby Jesus circumcised, right? See, I, don't, I don't know why I always do that motion. Because <laughs> the sign language people go, it's actually this. And that, it's like, that's worse. That's, so, that's worse. That's for free. Forget about it. Okay, all right, so, all right, so, so they go there for Mary to be purified and Joseph, or, uh, uh, Jesus to be, to be circumcised. Okay, so we're going to pick up the story eight days after the manger scene. Try to get that out of your mind. Okay, so. So when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, that's a, that's a part of the Bible that's all before Jesus was born, the Old Testament, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. That's the Old Testament. And here's the law. A pair of turtle doves or, or two young pigeons. Now, now, time out here. I actually studied this. This comes out of Leviticus chapter 12. Read it later today in your free time, okay? But Leviticus chapter 12 is a whole list of these rules about what has to happen whenever a woman has a baby so that she can be purified, all right, and then go back and she can worship God and, and all that, okay? Actually, it doesn't say that, that. It says that she's supposed to get a lamb. She's supposed to go to the temple and buy a lamb. And in G, when, when, when Jesus was born, all right, um, the, the, the religious people said it has to be a special lamb. It has to be one of our lambs. And we have a lamb store right over here in the corner of the temple. And they jacked the price up really, really big, okay? So, so there's a little clause in there in the book of Leviticus that says this. If you can't afford a lamb, you can actually buy a, a couple birds, right? How much? Very expensive. So, so, so Mary and Joseph, they buy a pair of, they, they buy two turtle doves, and a partridge. And come on, sing along. All right, so I just put that together this week. I was so proud of that. Nobody's laughed all weekend. Anyway, so, but anyway, so, so look at that, okay? What that means is this Mary and Joseph were poor, right? They were poor. Some of us have had this experience. It's really humiliating. Remember, you walk in, you go, hey, I need to buy a whatever. How much is it? And they go, oh, it's this much. And you go, I don't have that much. And they just look back at you so condescending. They go, oh, you're one of those. Well, we have a special thing we can do for you. You can buy these pigeons over here. Thank you. That's what we'll take. How much are they? I think we can do that. 
Religion hurts so many people. Just skip ahead 30 years. 30 years later, Jesus walks into that same room, and they're still exploiting the poor. And he walks in and goes, hey, this is my father's house, and this is not what this is about. He starts turning tables over. He gets a whip. He makes a whip on the spot, and he drives everybody out and goes, no, God does not want to exploit the poor. His house is open to everybody. It's like, it's like I remember, maybe not what, when I was there being dedicated, but my brothers later, I saw the same look in my mom and dad's eye. You're not going to do this to people anymore. So that's for free. Let's go back to this. All right, so now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and, and devout. So he's a really good man, loves God. And he's waiting for, look at this, the consolation of Israel. And the consolation of Israel is actually a title. In, in, the, in the part of the Bible before Jesus, all these prophecies say that eventually God is going to send the promised one. I promise I'll send someone who, con- who will come and encourage and strengthen Israel. And that, that's, they're called the consolation of Israel. So Simeon is waiting for, for this person to, to show up. It says this, and the Holy Spirit, that's the, the Spirit of God, was upon Simeon. And he was, he was so close to God, it's like the Spirit was all around him. And it had been revealed to him, so he can almost hear God speaking to him by the Holy Spirit, that he, Simeon, would not see death, would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You know, think about this. We, we don't know how old Simeon is in this story, but tradition has it he's pretty old. Because his, like the description of his life is, he should be dead, but he's not. I, I bet people go, dude, you're still alive? Why? Because well, there's a, God made me this promise that he's going to send the, the Messiah, and he said I'm not going to die until that happens. And I bet people roll their eyes like crazy, old man. He goes, no, I believe it. So he's hanging on to a promise, maybe barely hanging on, because he's waited for a long time for God to keep his promise. You ever been there? I've been waiting for a long time. So let's pick this up. So Simeon came in the spirit into the temple. So for some reason, God told him, go to the temple today. I don't know if Simeon went every day, but you know what, you know what this is like. Have you ever just felt this something inside of you going, I, I, I should call her? And then you, then you make the phone call, and they go, it's so crazy you called right now. Or you should talk to somebody, whatever that is. It's just God going, hey, listen, just go. That's what some of you did last week and going, hey, I wasn't planning on helping buy a car for a single mom, but... I, was, I just went to that table and said, here, that, that's what we're talking about. So Simeon came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, that, all right, Simeon pick, takes baby Jesus out of Mary's arms, picks him up in his arms, blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Hey, Lord, I, I can die now. Why? Because according to your word, in other words, you have kept your promise I can die now. You kept your promise. What is the promise? For my eyes have seen your salvation. I am looking at the one that's going to save me. And you're going to you prepared in the presence of all peoples what this little baby is going to do. It's going to be out there for the whole world to see. This little baby is going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Gentiles are just people that are not of Jewish uh, you know, background, right? It's, Jesus is going to be like a light that kind of reveals a whole bunch of stuff to them, but also for the glory of your people Israel. So Jesus is the light. All through the Bible, Jesus is called a light. And in a few minutes, we're going to do silent night. We're going to hold candles up, right? It's a metaphor. God's shining light into our lives. And what, what, what Simeon is saying is eventually this little baby is going to change everybody. It's going to start right here in, in Jerusalem, and then it's going to go out and out and out and out and out, and it's going to end up in Colorado. And you're going to hear that God doesn't hate you. He loves you. That's what's happening right now, right? But it's going to start with God's going to keep his promise to Abraham. Abraham, one of your descendants, is going to save everybody. Now, look at Mary and Joseph's reaction to this because I studied this this week and it's not what I thought it was. So, so Simeon just said, your baby is going to be the salvation of everybody. 
And his father, Joseph, and his mother, Mary, marveled at what was said about their baby, all right? And marveled means they were astonished. And I've always read this, and I thought, Mary and Joseph looked back at Simeon and went, well, that's just marvelous. That's not what it means. Not even close, all right? So I, I studied this in, in the original language, and marvel means this. They were surprised. What? They were shocked. What, what did you say about our baby? Because see, Mary and Joseph grew up in the same Jewish faith that Simeon grew up in. And when they heard him say, my eyes have seen our salvation, salvation means it's going to save me from the consequences of my sin. And they knew that the wages of sin is death. So somebody has to die to take away my sin. Wait, did you just say my my baby, I, listen, I know what the shepherd said. I know what some angels alluded to several months ago, right? But are you telling me, what, uh, listen, you're, oh man, stop. This is our child. What would you feel if somebody waited, came up to you in the waiting room with your new baby before you go home going, hey, and you know what? It gets worse. Simeon, he, he doesn't stop. He just keeps on going. Simeon blessed them. Maybe he realized he hurt their feelings went, oh, bless you. That help? All right, so he blessed them and he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child, maybe he's still holding baby Jesus, all right, is appointed. Let me tell you the point of this child's life. He's appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and, and for a sign that is opposed. And a, this is for Mary, especially for Mary. Mary, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may, may be revealed. So that, that's very, like, Bible speak. So let me just put it in modern gym language. Because that's why you came, all right? All right, so here's my translation of that, all right? Simeon's standing there going, hey, Mary, uh, so I got some good news and some, it's not as good, all right? It's rough, all right? So listen, Mary, I know that you're 14 and the last nine months have been rough and culminated in giving birth to a baby in a barn because his parents are not letting you in the house because they think that you're after his money or you just got pregnant and you're trapping their son. I get that. And Joseph, listen, I know that several months ago when you proposed to Mary, this is not how you thought your marriage would go. This isn't what you signed up for. When you had fatherhood in your, in your, in, in your mind or in your heart, you, you didn't think that you know, nine months after you, you're with Mary that you'd be raising somebody else's kid. I, I get that. But here's the deal, all right? This is what you signed up for. Here's the deal. The road ahead eventually goes someplace really good. Eventually. Like way down the road. Down the road, this little, this little boy, he's going to save us. He's going to be our salvation. But between now and, and, and then, it's going to get bad. It's going to get rough. You signed on for this, and it's going to get worse before it gets better for everybody, for, 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 for you, for you, and for this baby. See, Mary, this baby that you just delivered will cause a lot of people in Jerusalem and maybe all the way to Colorado, they're going to give God another chance because if God is so good that we find him in Jesus, maybe they'll trust, they'll trust God again and they'll come back to him. But here's the other part, all right? What Jesus is going to grow up and say and do and claim is going to make people so angry they're going to reject God. They're going to reject God because they don't like what he has to say. See, from this point on, Mary, all of his life, there's going to be people who are going to be his enemy. And they're going to try to make him stop because he's like a light. And he's going to shine and he's going to reveal what's going on inside someone's heart. And he's going to make it known. And none of us want that. I do not want to be called out. Do not turn on the lights. I don't want you to see what's going on. They're going to do everything in their power to stop him. But they will not stop him until he does what he came to do. But Mary, I'm just telling you, a day is coming. And I don't know if Simeon knew what it was going to be like. I know Mary didn't, but God did. Hey, Mary, a day is coming when you're going to watch your son do something, and it's going to feel like someone took a sword and stabbed you in the soul. Happy holidays, 
right? Right? It's, you know, Merry Christmas to you, right? right? And it's, it's, they didn't have a category for it. How can this be? Now, let me try to tie all this together. This whole broken halos, they're just real people, you know, just like us. And let's try tie Christmas all, all, all together. So let me review the main characters that we've looked at over the last month. Mary is told, hey, Hey, Mary, God chooses you. He's going to do something in your life. And her response is, how can this be? I've never seen anything like this before. What, like, what are you talking about? How, how's that going to happen? Hey, Joseph, God has chosen you for a very specific task in this life. And his response is, well, this is very different than what I thought my life would look like. Like, I never thought that this was the way it would turn out. Um, last week, we looked at this. Uh, some angels come to some shepherds and go, hey, listen. Hey, shepherds, poor, starving, orphan boys in the middle of a field, in the middle of the night that nobody cares about. God has a, good, a great message of just amazing joy. Eventually, it'll be for the whole world. But I want to tell you little boys first. And those little shepherd boys, their response was they were terrified. They were filled with great fear because they thought that God didn't care about them. I mean, that's logical. Look at our life. And they thought they were on their own. And then Simeon is told, hey, listen, God is going to keep his promise. He's going to send the Messiah. Simeon, you just got to look for him. And Simeon waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. You want to keep going? He waited a long, you ever waited on God a long time? Waited and waited. You know what? He would have missed it. He would have missed God keep his promise if, if he hadn't kept looking every day and living with expectation and anticipation even, even though weeks went by, months went by, years went by, and it didn't look like God was doing anything, but he lived every day with the expectation that good God would keep his promise no matter how long it took. If you want to just finish out Luke chapter 2, and again, there's free Bibles. If you don't own a Bible, there's free ones in the back of all of our campuses, but the, the, this chapter ends with there's this old lady named Anna, and she's in the temple, and here's what we know about her story. She was married about the same age that Mary was, so she's probably 14. She was married for seven years, and then her husband died. It's now 87 years later, and she believes God's going to do something good in her life. And by the time Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus walk into that temple, she's so desperate for God to do something, she finally goes, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not eating. I'm not doing anything. God, until you keep your promise to me, I'm not moving until God does something good in my life. It's not a hunger strike. It's desperation. Have you ever been so desperate you prayed a prayer that goes like this? God, I'm, I'm not moving until you do what you said you were going to do. Right? And then she sees Jesus get carried in that door, and she just, sh the gears shift, and she goes, okay, God is good, and, and that little baby's gonna take care of us. Now, again, let me try to wrap this up. It, this, whole, this whole series is about broken halos. If we're willing to rip those halos off of, off of these Bible characters, and just let them be just ordinary, real people like all of us, you know, Tuesday, you know, they'll go back to work, all that kind of stuff, right? Real people facing really hard circumstances with real emotions and, and real fears and real, like, I don't understand this and all, all those things that come up inside of us. As I study all these people in this story, and then I go back to every person I've met on the planet so far, here, here's, here's what I found, that there's some common themes and, and responses of, of all of us because we're all the same. Something happens in our life. Either we made a mistake and it kind of ran into life or somebody else made a mistake and it fell on us. But whatever that is, our response or our reaction is something like this. Something happens in our life and our response is, I've never seen it happen before. You ever had that happen to you? You're going, what? This is crazy. Or how about that? I, this isn't what I expected. Anybody had anything unexpected happen in their life? Like you would bet all your money on this and then that over there happened. Or I, like, how about this? I'm trying to do the right thing. You look back at your husband and wife going, I'm doing my best. You look at your parents, I'm, I'm trying. God, I'm trying. Or how about this? I just feel like I'm on my own. Nobody's helping me. 
I thought, if, this is gonna, if I'm going to survive this, I'm going to have to do it all by myself. Or how about this? This is really common. I've been waiting for a long time, and it doesn't look like or it doesn't feel like anything's getting better. Anybody there even today? I mean, look at the times of your life when you're trying to figure out, you know, am I going to hold on or am I going to give up? This is so impossible and overwhelming. Am I, am I going to believe? Am I going to have faith? Or am I just going to get in my car, pull, put it in reverse, and drive away because I just can't, I can't handle this anymore? Right? Does any, do any of those, those phrases describe anything you've gone through this week, this year? Me, it feels like Tuesday to me. So let me, let me throw this out, right? There's a, there's a phrase that comes up over and over in the Bible. When I, it's in this, this, this Christmas story several times. When I say it, you're going to go, oh, I, I've heard that before. There's this phrase that goes like this, and this shall be a sign unto you. Right? This will be a sign unto you. And any time that, that this will be a sign unto you is in the Bible, it's like this. This is what to look for from God if you're looking for proof that he still loves you. This is what to look for if, if, if you need to know, be reminded that God you know, hasn't forgotten about you. When you're really, really, really afraid and overwhelmed by life, this is the sign that you need to look to to go, okay, I don't have to be afraid because th- I have this sign right here. So I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to put it in reverse and drive, drive away. Do, do you ever ask God for a sign? I do. I like to say I used to, but I still do. All right? I do. I play this game with God all the time. Like I, when I was a kid, I, I would do this. Like, I, I'd be like, God, I believe in you. Um, but just to make sure you're there, um, will you give me a sign? Will you move that pencil? <laughs> I won't tell anyone. Just move it. And he, he, never, he never moved. One time I thought he moved it, and I, I think I wet myself. It was like, oh, but I think it was the wind. I wasn't sure. But anyway, right? Or how about this? So, so when I was a little kid, I saw this movie on Christmas. Uh, and in this movie, it says that at midnight, God makes animals talk on Christmas Eve. And I went, that's awesome, all right? And so one, three Christmas Eves, actually, in a row, I said, I, I want a sign. And so I took my sister's Pekingese, Susie, and put her on the end of my bed. I was in second grade. It's hard to stay up till midnight when I mean, you're in second grade. So I look at Susie, and then ding, 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 it's midnight. I go, okay, Susie. Go. She's like, <laughs> all right, and I'm like, uh, come on, go. Three Christmases in a row, she just stares back at me with nothing. So here's my conclusion as my, I need a sign from God. Either the movie lied to me, and that's not true, but here's what I think it is. She's a Pekingese. She speaks Chinese, and I didn't speak Chinese at that time. <laughs> But I went to Colorado Walk a couple years ago, and, and the waitress said, no, it's Nihawa. So I went, Nihawa, and she would have gone, hey, Jim, how are you? Merry Christmas. But you know what? It's too late. She's dead. So she's gone. All right? So, so I was a very smart kid. All right? But you hired me. Anyway, so, all right, so now, you know, that's a kid's game. But you know what? We still do that with God. We just do it in a little different way. We ask God for a sign. God, give me a sign. Prove to me that you love me. Here's how we do it, okay? Hey, God, listen, I am running late. I, am I going to lose my job? My wife's going to kill me, whatever it is. If you love me, give me a sign to make that light turn green now. Go. Come on, God, right, right? Or how about this? This happened to me this week. Hey, God, give me a sign. Make me invisible to that state cop right there. Please let me go. And, then, and you know what? He did it. So I went faster. So that's just it, right? Here's the other thing, all right? right? Here's what a lot of us do. Hey, God, listen, I need a sign. I, I, I know I shouldn't have done that, but here's, if you love me, just help me get away, from, get away with it this one time. Have you prayed this? Hey, God, listen, I know I shouldn't have done it, but please, please, if you love me, don't let my wife find out about it. Or hey, God, if, if you love me, help me blow a, below a .08. Some of you don't know what that means. Good for you. All right. Um, um, or how about this? Hey, God, um, if you love me, don't, don't let, I know, I, don't let me be pregnant. Or God, please let me be pregnant. 
or God changed my dad, all these kind of things, right? See, here's a true confession time. We, we have this ability, right, to ignore God for long stretches of our life because everything's going great. And it doesn't feel like we, we, we need him. And then something happens. Life gets hard. Somebody does something to us, whatever that is, and life gets scary. And if it goes on long enough and it gets hard enough, over time, we throw out that, hey, God, I need a sign that you're there and that you care. But while we're not, we're not asking for a sign, we're actually taking a finger and putting it in God's chest and going, God, I have an ultimatum for you. Here's the sign. I need you to do this in this way by this time. And if you don't do it the way I'm telling you to do it, here's my sign. I don't trust you anymore. And I don't think you're good. God, the only, we've all prayed this prayer. God, the only sign I'm even open to that if I'm gonna believe that you're good is if you do this, this way, by this time, to that person. Then, then I'll decide if I can trust you or not. We've all been there. Hey, God, the only sign I'm open to that you're good and that you're gonna take care of me is you gotta take that cancer away or I'm done with you. You ever prayed that? I have. Hey, God, the only, if you wanna prove that you love me, okay, don't let my dad die, don't let my mom die, don't let my, my child die. How about, God, listen, if you're good, change my husband's heart or don't let my, my girlfriend walk away from me. God, if you love me, you have to fix this problem. Take away my son's addiction. Make that happen. Don't let that happen. God, if you love me, prove it. Do what I'm telling you to do. And then when he doesn't do what we tell him to do, we just look back at God and we go, I, I, I trusted you. I, 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 I needed you to do something, and you didn't do it, and then hope goes away, and then faith goes away. We've all looked at the ceiling. If you haven't done this yet, file this away. It's a matter of time when your life gets hard enough. You're going to look past the ceiling into heaven and going, where were you when I needed you? I thought you were good, and I thought you were going to take care of me, and then this happened. Real people. Yeah, so I was reading through the Bible and all those times when it says, and this will be a sign unto you. And any time that God says this will be a sign unto you or somebody actually says, I need a sign from you that you love me and that you'll take care of me. Here's the thing about this, all right? The sign to look for that proves that God loves them and will keep his promise is some reference to eventually Jesus will come. He may not be called out by name, but eventually Jesus will come in a way you've never seen. He's gonna come not like you expected, and he's going to come in a time when you feel most alone after waiting for a long time. Almost every reference to, hey, you can trust God, is some reference to, to Jesus. Here's what I want to do. I want to go back to those shepherds in the field. One, two, three. Get it over with. All right? So, all right? So, so we looked at shepherds last week. And again, last week was one of the, my favorite weeks ever in this church. All right? So we looked at shepherds. Shepherds were normal little boys. Every woman in this section is not listening to me. They're just going. <laughs> Listen, um, they're normal little boys. They probably didn't have parents. I'm not your mom. Easy there. Uh, <laughs> they were scared. They were just little boys that took care of somebody else's sheep. Normal little shepherds. But the sheep around Bethlehem were not normal sheep. Just six miles from Jerusalem. The sheep that were raised in Bethlehem were raised for a very special purpose. All the lambs that were raised around Bethlehem eventually were taken to the temple and they were, they were sacrificed on an altar on Passover. They were the Passover lambs. Now here's, I was listening to this, this rabbi teach this past week. His name is Rabbi uh, Jason Sobel and he's a follower of Jesus now. And he said this, around Bethlehem what they would do is they raise these Passover lambs and then if you sinned you had to go to the temple and buy a lamb. And that would take away your sin for a year and then you had to do it next, next Passover. But all these lambs, okay, they had to be perfect. 
without a spot. And so what would happen is when the mama lamb was ready to have her, her, when the mama sheep was ready to have her baby, they would take those mama sheep and they would put them in a cave. There are these caves all around Bethlehem. Then they would put a gate across that cave so that when that, they didn't want that baby lamb to be, you know, out there in the middle of the field and then have something happen to it. And then that would make it, it would disqualify it for, for sacrifice, right? So they would put that mom in there. And as soon as that baby lamb was, was born, the shepherds would go in, they would inspect it, and they would wash it, and they'd make sure that it was perfect. And then they would take these cloths, and they were called, guess what they're called? Swaddling cloths. And they would wrap up that lamb, and they would take that lamb over to the temple until it was time to sacrifice it on an altar. Are you doing the math? So when an angel comes to those shepherd boys and goes, this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, Lying in a manger. What manger? The manger over there in the caves. Which caves? The caves where all the Passover lambs are born to be sacrificed to take away our sin. So you got to think. Mary and Joseph thought they were going to stay in an inn in a guest room. They ended up giving birth in a cave. Hey, Joseph, I've got to wrap this baby up in something. Is there anything around here? There's a stack of cloths over here in the corner that they wrap up the Passover lamb in. Grab, Grab that and let's wrap up our baby. Jesus is the Passover lamb. The first time that we ever see Jesus as an adult in the Bible, he's walking beside the Jordan River, and his cousin John the Baptist is baptizing people down there in the river, and he looks up and he sees Jesus. And you remember what he he yells? He points at Jesus and goes, Behold, the Lamb of God. And there was no sheep in the area. He's pointing at Jesus. Behold, right there, that's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A few days later, a guy named Nicodemus he corners Jesus in an alley in the middle of Jerusalem. He goes, hey, Jesus, I need a sign. I need confidence. I need proof that I can be a part of God's family. Can you give me a sign? And Jesus says, you want to know a sign? How about this? For God so loves you that he gave his one and only son, that's me, that whoever trusts me, has faith, has confidence in me, will not perish. Why can I say that? Because I'm the Passover lamb. I'll perish for you, trust me, and you won't perish, but you'll have eternal life. And eternal life starts now, folks, not after you die and go someplace else. God wants to be your friend now. He's not somewhere. He's right here. A guy named Paul used to hate Christians and dedicated his life to, to, to eliminating Christians. And then he met Jesus, and that changed everything. He wrote a letter to some people who live in Rome. And those people in Rome are very much like us. See, they actually thought that in order to be back with God, they had to clean up their life first. I gotta be a better person, I gotta get sober, I've gotta get my marriage back together, I have to stop doing these bad things and start doing good things, and then I'll go back and then I'll look at God and maybe he'll take me back. And Paul says, you know what, that's how most of the world operates, but it's not that way with God. You want a sign? Here's, here's God's sign. God shows his love for us in this. You want a sign? Here it is. That while we were still sinners, Christ the Passover lamb died for us. Let that sink in a second. Before you showed up at church, before you thought about God, before you ever thought, maybe I need to make a difference in my life, maybe something needs to change in my life, maybe I need forgiveness, maybe before, before you even thought about God, God says, it's, uh, I got you. As soon as you're ready, you come here, and I've already done everything necessary to bring you back to me. Maybe that's why God brought you here today. So we always, we always do communion we always do communion on Christmas. And people ask me, you know, why do you do it? I understand Easter, but why, why, why Christmas? I always have to check because it gets warm down there. And I thought she peed on me, but she didn't. Uh, um, I do have two more pairs of jeans back there. But um, why do we do communion on Christmas? 
hang with me, and then this will make sense. We're going to do communion together in a minute, and if you don't feel comfortable taking it, just listen to what the rest of us are going to do, and then if you want to take it, you're welcome to do that. So here's a little history lesson. Everybody who lived before Jesus went to the cross, their faith or, or their trust, their confidence was based on one thing. God's good, and what's the next word? Will, future tense. Someday, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think God is good and he will keep his, his promise to me. Like, if you go back to the, the, the parts of the Bible before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah says, this will be a sign that you know God is going to keep his promise. A virgin will conceive and she will give birth. Hey, hey an angel says to Mary, hey, this will be a sign. You will, you will conceive and you will give birth to a baby. Joseph, this will be your sign. Your, your, your fiance is going to have a baby, the child of God, and you're going to name him Jesus. He's going to take away the sin of the world. Hey, shepherds, this will be a sign unto you. Over there in the, in the Passover, lamb caves outside of Bethlehem, you're going to find a baby wrapped in the same cloth that they wrap up all the other sacrifices, and that his name is Jesus, and that will be your sign. See, their faith, their faith, their trust, their confidence was in what God will do in the future, even if, and usually this is what happened, their current circumstances don't change or, or got worse. Think about it. We talked about this last week. All those shepherds had angels come to them. They went and they saw the baby Jesus, and then what did they do? They went back to the same stinky life. Back in the field, all by themselves, no parents, didn't have any more food, trying just to, to survive one, one, one more day. Mary and Joseph, we love you, God, and we're going to follow you anywhere. And our lives got harder before they ever got better. There's, a, there's this little chapter in the Bible, in a book of the Bible called Hebrews. And it's Hebrews chapter 11. And it's a list of person after person, some of the most famous people in the Bible. Like Moses is in there, and Abraham's in there, and David is in there. And it says that they all believed that God was good and that he would keep his promise to send somebody who was going to take us back and connect us back to God. And everyone in that chapter died before it happened. But they died believing, and they were saved by faith. I have confidence God will keep his promise in the future. Now, our faith is different. I'm talking about us. Listen to my voice right now. Our faith is not in a sign that will happen. See, this is what a lot of us do. We go, hey, God, I'll trust you. If you'll do something in my life now, if you'll change her, if you'll bring this back together, if you'll heal this, if you'll send this more my way, that will be my sign. Our, our, our faith cannot be in a thing that will happen in the future or we need to happen right now. Our faith is in a sign that already did happen. Everybody before Jesus said, I, I believe it'll happen. We're now saved by looking back and saying, it did happen. And you know what I'm talking about. Jesus was asked over and over and over to back up his claim. Hey, Jesus, give us, a, give us a sign that you are who you say you are and you can do these crazy things you'd be able to, to do. And Jesus, every time, he always answered them in, in, a, in a certain way, some version of this. It, what, you want a sign? It's going to happen in an impossible way. You, you do not see this coming. It's never happened before in a way that you never, never considered. Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus is so, he has such control to just not put them in their place. But this is what he said. Okay, you want a sign. Here's what's going to happen. Just like the sacrifice every Passover, this, this coming Passover, I'm going to be nailed to a cross. And I'm going to die. And they're going to put me in a grave. And I'm going to be dead for three days. And they, I bet they looked back and went, so what? The roads are lined with people nailed to crosses. And our cemeteries get more and more full every day. What, what sign is that? Let me finish. Stick me in a grave, and three days later, I will come back to life as proof that I am good and I just kept my promise. And then you'll know. What do you mean, know what? You'll know that I am who I said I am, and I can do what I promised to do. I can take away your condemnation. I can take away your guilt. I can take away your shame. I can do that. Now, if you choose to carry shame and guilt for the rest of your life, you, you can choose to do that, but it's not because God has heaped it on you. 
It's because you refuse to let it go. Jesus says, just give it to me. I'll give, I won't give you a second chance at this life. I'll give you a brand new life from above. How about this? This is where a lot of us are. This is the first time we've been in church in months or years. And we are so ashamed because we know there's a God, but we're so sure that he's disappointed in us that we don't even look up. And Jesus looks at you today and goes, oh, whoa, 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 listen, I'll reconnect you back to my father. I, I know what you did. Listen, I'll forgive you. And nothing will be able to separate you. No mistake, no accusation from any person. Nothing you ever do in the future, nothing that's haunted your past will ever be able to separate you from my Father. I'll forgive you. I'll live inside of you. I'll change you. I'll heal you. I'll fix the parts of your life that you would fix if you could, but you can't. I'll give you strength to do what you cannot imagine. And everybody else might leave you. I won't. I promise. I choose you. Let that sink in. Jesus is looking at you going, if I could do it all over again, I'd look around this room and go, I'd do it for you. I choose you. I'm gonna choose you to do an impossible thing in a way that you never considered, followed by this. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Because I'm good and I can change your life forever. Does anybody need that? So here's the thing. Some of us are going, well, I, I used to believe that and then I screwed up or I used to do this and this happened, all that kind of stuff. Listen, I'm one of those people, all right? And some of you are gonna, you're gonna disagree with me and you're wrong. But here, here's, here's the thing, here's what I believe. I believe that when you put your faith in Jesus, I trust you, I believe you are the son of God and I believe what you did on the cross takes away my sin. I believe you're saved and you're as saved as you're ever gonna be and you can't screw up so bad that it unsaves you. I don't think that God ever looks at you and goes, well, I didn't know you were gonna do that. Go back to hell. I don't think that ever happens. I can't find anything in scripture, right? Jesus knows you're saved. You know who forgets that you're saved and forgiven? You do. Because you have a really bad week or a really bad marriage or a really bad Saturday night, whatever that is, and you're convinced in your head that has to undo God's love for me. So Jesus is so smart. He had this idea. That Passover, it's a Jewish feast. They still, Jewish people still celebrate this every year. Back when they were in, uh, in, uh, slaves in Egypt, the, one of the, the plagues was paint the blood of a lamb over the door of your house and the angel of death will pass over you. And that was a symbol of what Jesus was gonna do in our life. So on the night that he was arrested, Jesus got all of his followers together and most people had run for the hills. So there's like 12 of them. And they're in a room and he says, we're gonna do the Passover meal. I've looked forward to this meal and this is the last time I eat it until a new, a new deal is in place. So here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to take a, a drink of wine. He passes the wine around. He goes, this is my, my blood. It's gonna be poured out for you because the wage of sin is death and so you could pay for your own sin or I'll, how about this? I'll perish. I'll be the lamb. Now, everybody take this bread. I know in the past, in our faith, that the bread has represented the manna that fell out of heaven, that fed the people there. From now on, this bread is my body broken for you. Eat my body and drink my blood. And you've got to think that those disciples looked back and went, what are you talking about? Until the next day, they saw Jesus nailed to a cross. And then they thought it was over. And then on the third day, he rose again. If, if you need a reminder that God still loves you, that God has not given up on you, that God forgives you, that God still has a point and a purpose for your life, and it, this, if you're looking for a sign, he already backed it up by demonstrating it, by, by dying for you, but then coming back to life, and now he lives in you. If you need a reminder of that, we're going to pass out bread right now. And again, if you don't feel comfortable, you're going, well, this is my first time in this church. Am I allowed to? Yes, you're in, okay? So here's what I mean is, you know, you came in here going, I don't know if I believe this, but there's a part of you, and I call it hope. There's a part of you that goes, I, I, want, I want that Jesus, what Jesus can give. 
I want that in my life. I don't have him all figured out, but I don't need guilt and shame anymore, and I need something inside of me to start healing up. And if Jesus, if you can do that for me, that's good enough sign for me. So I'm going to eat this bread, and I'm going to drink this cup, and I'm going to remember that I'm forgiven because of the Passover lamb. So, Lord, in this room right now, I pray, just like Simeon knew you were there, I pray that every one of us, again, in all of our campuses right now, we go, God is here. God is with us. He's not in the universe. He's right here beside me. He's whispering into my heart, I forgive you. I love you. I'm not done with you. I have a point for your life. I'll do whatever it takes to make you whole again, to connect you back to me. And so, God, in this moment, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, we'll actually believe we're forgiven and that we're loved and that our life is not over. Maybe that's why you brought us here today, to remind us of your son, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.